Kilty for the, the Football Collective podcast, uh, reviewing the book Provided You Don't Kiss Me uh, with Brian Clough, which is written by Duncan Hamilton, who uh, was the reporter for the Nottingham Evening Post and, and the glory times of uh, Brian Clough. So it's a phenomenal book, Paddy, as, as you're probably aware. The, the reviews about the book were, were outstanding. And, and, and ironically, I only, I only discovered it in the summer with one of the, the coaches one of the dad coaches on a Saturday morning who's a big Fulham fan and uh, obviously migrated up to Scotland and said, look, Robert, I know you like Brian Clough. I was a big fan of the Nottingham Forest team of the 80s, Paddy, a big fan and because he had a lot of Scots playing. Aye. And the connection was that I was a big Scotland, I still am a big national Scotland fan. And I, I really loved the guy. I, I always liked his individualism. And this book, I read it in summer in the, the south of France uh, and I have a problem as I've probably explained, actually completing sports books. There's so many out there that, you know, and then the, the academic work at the university, the kids come along. This was one of the few books recently that I actually finished and I wanted to read again. It was just an outstanding read. What is it about the book itself? As a, we'll, we'll get on to Clough, but what is it about the book that, that really impressed you? Well, I think I was reflecting on this in the last couple of days when you asked this, Paddy, and I, I would say that there's, there's a couple of things. The first thing was... I've been very fortunate to work in, in with six professional football clubs and, and some of them have been, you know, two of them were, were in English football leagues. And as I said, I worked with, uh, you know, a couple of World Cup captains, Colin Hendry at Blackpool. So my experiences of the changing room as a first team coach are often very different from a lot of the research that you read or how, how football is portrayed to some extent in the media, particularly perhaps with, with the younger populations now. So... I like the grittiness of the of the of the book. It was a very real de- depiction of his life, and obviously it was uh, you know ethnographical from the reporter's perspective, what he actually saw as a reporter at that time. And th- I think the second thing is that the social complexity of of of, of sport. I particularly like that that the football isn't it isn't full of nice guys to some extent. It's great <laughs> when when nice guys are around, the nice girls are around. Yeah. It's much more complicated than that, and, and a, a lot of the research that I've looked at, my own work at Stirling University and before that, the universities I've worked with, was looking about how we mustn't lose sight of that social complexity, the difficulties that are played out every single day at football clubs, and I think that the book definitely depicts that for me, and, and, and every page it's got that, how gritty it was both in the 70s and 80s back then. Um, what is it about Clough himself that you really love? As Clough, Clough as a man as opposed to the sides that he put together that you liked? Well, I, I mean, it's a bit of a cliche, but he, he was obviously flawed, Paddy. But he's a, he's a flawed character. And what's quite interesting is that the, the the reporter is very, for me, very authentic, telling you what he, what he thinks a guy's like as a person. To some extent, he lacks self-belief. He'd, he'd failed the 11-plus exam, Brian Clough, as a, as a young person. And... Uh, that, that played on his consciousness throughout his career. That's reported in the book. And obviously his relationship with Peter Taylor, yeah. as the listeners will know, is heavily mentioned in the pages and how they, they, they obviously fell out about betrayal, about lack of trust and about the insecurities of Clough. And I think that kind of flawed character for me, uh, you know, is, is less romantic. Yeah. I would say it's normal. It's the normal world of sport for me. My own experiences is that uh, you get certain type of characters in sport that that perhaps you wouldn't want to meet people in this. You know, again, yeah, yeah. Like, don't, don't, 
try not to meet your hero, etc. <laughs> I think uh, flawed character is something I was attracted to primarily. Um, uh, something really interesting about about Clough as well, which is like you know th- that his legacy lives on because people say that Martin O'Neill managed like him, that Roy Keane managed like him, and it's through Martin O'Neill that you see how Neil Lennon manages. Is there something to say about like, uh, the sort of legacy of great coaches and how they kind of echo through time and the, the effect that Clough had on British football as a whole? Yeah, no, listen, absolutely spot on. You've obviously been reading my notes, Paddy. <laughs> I about this. These are the things that I really, I, I, I take a note of is that the kind of, I wouldn't, I wouldn't use the word bullying to some extent. There's definitely a, a misuse of power with the classic old head coaches. And I'm not suggesting for a minute that Martin O'Neill or, or Neil Lennon are misusing their power, but they've, they've, they've been brought up with a, set, a different type of environment when it comes to professional football. It's, the, it's very autocratic. It's very command style. I'm in charge. You do what I say. You play in the team. If you do what I, what I say, I want you to do. And I think, again, that's, a, that's an attractive aspect of, of the, the, the book. Obviously, I'm a big fan of, of, of Martin O'Neill and Neil Lennon. And to some extent, they are. Uh, they would be a contradiction to some to some extent. The way we we want young kids to actually brought up looking at football and how to manage. It's classically the the onset of social media. There's a classic way now to become the quintessential perfect coach or the perfect manager. My experience with, with World Cup captains and is it's not like that at all. There's too many factors at play. Right. It's, it's people's livelihoods. It's getting three points on a Saturday. It's it's stopping the chairman from firing you. You'll do whatever it takes to, to become a successful manager. And that means basically telling players, I'm in charge. And I, I think we must always be aware of that when it comes to professional professional football. That we, I think we need a bit of both. We, we need the, 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 the quality coaches that we have now. But I think the, 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 the principles from the 70s and 80s definitely have to be uh, recognised. One of the books I did read beforehand was the, the, the classic book by Eamon Dunphy. Aye, aye. I, mean, I would, I would put, you know, uh, point some of the listeners to the, the, the diary of a professional footballer that was given to me by my old uh, psychology professor. And I found that an outstanding read, a very gritty read of his days, uh, Eamon Dunphy's days yeah. at Millwall, the kind of selfishness of the players, the kind of social complexity of falling out with players, who was getting picked, who wasn't getting picked. A lot of bitchiness around the club. Yeah. I found that a very good book as a as a, as a piece student, obviously. Uh, and again, that would be a book that resonates with me with the Clough book. You see, with Clough, and then you know where you're sitting now isn't too far away from the birthplace of of three of the greatest coaches of all time. You know, the, the famous. I, I noticed there's a book out about uh, Stain Shankly uh, and Matt Busby. Is there a level of emotional intelligence? And charisma that can't be taught that makes them better than the rest of us. Yeah, do they do they intuitively know how to get the best out of some people? And no matter how many kind of level one and level two coaching courses you get onto, you're ne- we're never going to have that level of emotional intelligence that they have. I think emotional intelligence is is, is still it's, it's it's omnipresent. It's it's around. We have you know managers of lots of different sports that have it. I think the structure of football, as some of the listeners will know, was slightly different then. The, the coach or the head or the manager was in charge of everything. And again, these books, they're, they're very good to reflect on from a historical perspective of how the game has evolved. Nowadays, a professional club has a number of consultants. There's, there's a director of football, there's a head coach, there's, there's a head scout, there's a, there's a director who deals with the finances. 
So there's about five or six different layers before you even get to the head coach, who to some extent selects the team. He's also got their coaches doing all the technical formation stuff uh, during the week. I think these individuals you've mentioned with Clough, they were in charge of everything. Yeah. So, so they could they could basically mould and shape a club uh, to suit their own dogma, Paddy. And I think that's one of the key things about these, why these guys were very successful. They had complete control. And I think the second thing is that they they knew they used people management skills. Uh, you know, you don't need to go to Harvard University to know how to deal with individuals, whether it's in the workforce or it's in the factory or it's in a football club. You have to understand individuals working together as a team dynamic to know that there's certain players you can you can say certain things to. There's other players that, that possibly need a bit more emotional pastoral care. And then there are players who you won't have a relationship with at all, but they'll become very, very successful. And I think those three plus cluff that a lot of the research and autobiographical work, the, the former players have said that, they, 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 they were good at lo- looking at the sum of the parts of the Yeah, team. yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, uh, if you look at the, the only the only of the, the only person of the Lisbon Lions generation who's ever spoken ill of Steen is John Fallon, who lives not too far away from where you are now. And Martin O'Neill was left out of a European Cup final by Clough. Wasn't even told about it properly, yet would have still walked through a wall for him. What is it about these people that, uh, that allows them to maybe sort of borderline abuse people, you know, but also still have those same people want to fight for them? It's a massive question. I think we could take it in different directions. I think if you just look at people's self-confidence, I mean, I I did a very unspectacular, semi-professional football career myself, but if I I think about the player, the coaches that I really loved, they were the coaches that really simplified things for me. And I think I've read Martin O'Neill's autobiography, and I, I definitely think that the... These managers like Clough, they were very good at simplifying what you're good at and what you're bad at. Right. And if you do what you're good at, you're in the team. And it sounds a very simplistic way of the world, but <laughs> it actually works. And a lot of the players of all these these managers have said that they, they they would do anything for them. Most days he made them feel like the best player in the world. And uh, the, going back to my original point, Paddy, self-confidence we, we probably underestimate. It's a massive thing in all our lives to have someone love you and to, to, to really believe in what you're doing, it means that you, you're going on and playing with freedom to some extent. And uh, But that definitely comes out with the Martin O'Neill autobiography. He talks about Clough and that love-hate relationship. You know, he was caricatured because he was an intelligent young man. He was studying at university, but he was also playing in a great Nottingham Forest first team at the moment, and Clough would make fun of him. But he also realised how good a player he was. He was a fantastic dribbler back then, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Thanks very much. It's a great pleasure, Paddy. As well. Thank you very much for having me on here on a Sunday and uh, I hope everything's safe with you back home.